Luke chapter 5, verse 1. You go there with me. That was, uh, that's kind of the verse of the whole book. If the whole book is summed up in one verse, that's, that's it. It says, so Christ, and we talked about that last week, that Christ is the one who did it all. And he truly set us free so that we could be, uh, so we could be free. He just, he just said, I just want you to be free. And that's why I'm going to do everything to set you free. And then it says, make sure that you don't get tied up again. Don't uh, make sure that you don't get um, tied up again in slavery to the law, that you don't go back to where, where you came from. Uh, Galatians 5.13, uh, it says this, for you've been called to live in freedom. Sounds very similar. He says, my brothers and sisters, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. No longer do we have to, um, you know, to, to have this uh, relationship with God that's all fear-based. You know, we talked about that last week. You know, if I'm doing dishes for my wife and it's like, it's because I know if Beth comes home, the dishes aren't done. She's going like the Hulk and she's going to, you know, hurt our children and throw my, you know, my guitar out the window and I'm sleeping on the couch till 2015, you know, then I'm like, I'm doing the dishes, you know, I don't want any of that. There's a fear-based motivation that, and believe me, I'm not enjoying doing the dishes. I'm thinking, man, if I was bigger, I would take her, you know, and she wouldn't have this kind of power over me, but, but I'm not. So the other side of it, as we talked about, is if, if I love my wife, and it's like I know that it brings her joy to do that, I can do dishes, and it's pretty much a joy to do them. And, uh, you know, uh, she's been calling me on that this week and saying, you know, you know it's uh, that thought of, uh, oh, hey, honey, the dishwasher's full. You know, do you love me? You know, it's that, that look in her eye of, like, I know, you know. So, uh, I, but I just, I, I let her go to the computer and look at Pinterest and I make sure I make a lot of noise so she can hear that I am changing the dishes in the dishwasher. And she's like, I love you, dear. And it's like, you know, it's working. I tell you, it's good. But it's this thing with God, the same idea that if we're like afraid of what God's going to do, we're going to be like, oh man, okay, don't do that sin because he's going to hit me with the ugly stick, you know? And okay, and do that. Go to church Saturday and Sunday because now it's open twice. I've got to be there both times or I'm going to be in trouble. You know, that's really bad this week. I, I got to be, maybe if there was a third time, I'm going. He doesn't want you to live like that. That, that is so far from what God gave his son for. And, and so often, so many of us live in that. And he says, that's not what you've been saved for. You've been saved for freedom. You've been saved so you don't have to live under all that. You, you don't have to be worrying that God is like angry at you. He's proven that he loves you. Just absolutely loves you. So you've got a judge who says you're forgiven. And you've got a dad who says that he loves you. It, it's pretty good. He says, now just use that freedom you have to serve one another. Take a look around this place. Take a look at all those good looking people. It, you know, really, take a look. Uh-huh. Mosaic <laughs> figures you should all be looking at him. Right. That's good. You're quick. Uh, no kidding. Somebody loves himself. All right. So, um, but, boy, this is going to get away on us. But uh, he says, you know what? You can have freedom to serve one another. It's not, it's, uh, it, and, and to just enjoy that. And, and, you know, the relationship with Christ, it affects all of our other relationships. It does. It affects the relationship with your people from your church and your family and uh, your house. And it get the gospel, understanding the good news, gives you freedom to interact with those, with those other relationships in your life. And they will work much better if you understand the gospel. For instance, you don't have to compare yourself with the other kids, you know, God's other kids. It's not like God's up there going, hey, check out my son. You know, this guy, he's amazing. Have you, have you seen Jesus? And it's like, well, yeah, but what about uh, that guy over there? Oh, no, let's not talk about that kid. But my son, Jesus, is pretty amazing, right? He doesn't have any kids that are like, oh, that kid over there. I mean, let's not talk about 
about him. You, you're not that kid. He loves you. The same as the same affection that he has for Christ. There's that, that same uh, uh, passion that every parent has for their, for their kids. He has that for you. So you don't have to uh, compare yourself with them. And you don't have to measure your failures against their failures. It's not like you've got to feel like, Oh, you know, like Jesus talked about the Pharisee and the tax collector. They're praying, and the tax collector's like, Dear God, you know, I'm a sinner. And the Pharisee's like, Oh, yeah, he's a sinner. You know, I'm glad I'm not that screwed up, you know. At least I'm, at least I'm all right. And you compare yourself with other people, and you only feel good, or you only feel value if, if you're better than the next guy. Well, the problem is there's always going to be somebody better than you. If you compare yourself, you're always going to find that, that, that person who's got a little bit more. And, and, and that's the other part. You don't have to compare your spirituality to anybody either. You don't have to be like super spiritual or more spiritual. or, or there, There's no room for spiritual upmanship when, you're, when you understand just the good news is, you know what, you're all his kids. There's just an even an evenness that says, you know what, whether you're the pastor does makes no difference. Whether, you know, this is the first time you've been in church in your life, you know, and you're just getting to know Christ that, that for the first time, there's no difference. He loves that he loves the, uh, the same and says, you know what, that's the freedom that we have. You're just free in Christ alone and, and to be able to see others in that light as well. When you realize that God loves you with all your with all your mess ups. It's a little easier to love the person next to you when you realize they have mess-ups. Because you know. So you can celebrate the victories with one another. You know that this is not working in your life. That the gospel's not really taking that root in your life. Is when you start looking at people and you, you can't be happy for that person in church who got a raise. Because you know how bad you need it. You know, you just got demoted in your job and they got a raise. Come on, God. We were, we were both praying, you know. And I'm not as screwed up as him. How did he get a raise? And, and you, you can't celebrate with them. You know, or the fact that you see somebody who you know is kind of, you look up to them, they're a little bit more spiritual, and then they screw up, and you're like, <laughs> I knew that was coming, you know. And it's that, that thought of it makes you feel a little bit better inside. The gospel isn't, the good news hasn't, uh, hasn't taken root in your heart. If those are the thoughts that are, are there, and it can happen to us. And you're all looking at me like, oh, that's only you, man. <laughs> you know, we don't do that. I know you do. You know, I know I, the Bible says that, that we're like that. That's the kind of thing that we have. But it's just the gospel just brings freedom. Um, at the end of chapter, or at the end of last week, we were talking about how Paul said to the, to the Galatians, he said, hey, if you guys want to like, live by the law, live by this one, which is love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you've got it all together. But the problem is the Galatian churches that we've been looking at, they, they uh, wanted to love one another. They wanted to keep this law, but they had no power to do it in and of themselves. They didn't have the power. The law didn't give them the power to keep the law. And, and so... Then he goes to this spot where we're just going to go tonight, uh, verse 16. And I'm going to do this, uh, this bit of teaching. We're going to do it in two sections. We're going to do one tonight. And we're going to do the next one next Saturday night. And we're taking some time off for Easter. And we'll do some other things. But um, So if you only get half of this tonight, well, it, it needs the other half. So just get the other half. Galatians 5, 16, it says this. I know, we'll put it online for you. So it says, so I say, let Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Uh, so here's what's basically saying is there's two things going on inside of you all the time. It, it, well, if you're a follower of Christ, every believer has this, has Holy Spirit on the inside and has this thing called the flesh. 
If you're not a follower of Christ, you know, or before, if you think back to before, you know, before you decided to follow Christ, there was only one thing. You know, you only followed kind of what, what you wanted to do. Whatever your flesh wanted to do, that's what you did. But this inner battle is going on inside of every believer here. So, you know, you look at the person next to you like, wow, they look like they got it all together. They don't. Inside, there's this battle that's going on. There's no super Christians. There's none of these, like, you know, the, the, the ones who figured it out. And they no longer struggle with their flesh. They are holy. They're holier than the new pope. You know, they got it all together. There is no, there is no such thing. The Bible doesn't talk about it. Why? Because salvation, that, that perfectness, that righteousness, 100% but, uh, done by what Jesus has done. And this battle of the flesh, it, it starts this process of holiness. So if we, if we look at our life as like this big long line, all right? So this, let's say the whole front here is, is your life. So here you were born, you know, wherever that was. And, you know, for some it was in a church pew. For others it was on a bar, you know. But wherever you came from, you all kind of go the same way till you get to this place where it's like you decide, hey, I want to follow Christ. So now between here and the end of life, somewhere down here, there's this process uh, going on where God is trying to, to, to um, uh, form Jesus in your life, where you become conformed to the image of Christ. So he's making you more and more holy. It's not like you got to here, you're like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and you take one step, and you're perfect. That didn't happen for any of you, did it? No, but for some, there might have been one change. Like, I hear this all the time. People are like, you know, I started following Christ, and all of a sudden, I didn't want any cigarettes anymore. It's like, I was set free from cigarettes. And then it's like, the next person, he comes to follow Christ, and they get here, and they're smoking 12 packs a day. And, and the other person's like, well, pff, what? it must not have took, you know? Because when I got saved, it was like, I didn't want to smoke anymore. What's wrong with you? Well, that might be stepped down here somewhere. But God is doing this thing where he's, he's working on our lives. And so for, for those of you who think, you know, where perfection is, where you become like Christ, and you've got this battle won, that's not like next week. That's somewhere way down here where you stop breathing. If you're perfect, you got together, you're not breathing anymore. That's, you're like in heaven. You, you, you've finished the race, you've run the course. So you're like, man, so we're going to fight this thing my whole life? Like, thanks a lot. I was already tired. Now you're bringing that on me. Like, this, this, ain't, this ain't good. Uh, but that's what he says, that there's this thing happening. Holy Spirit's trying to, trying to uh, ch- uh, change what your life looks like, and your, your flesh hates it. Absolutely hates it. It's like new ownership at a job. You know, all the staff stays, but there's a new owner, and the new owner comes in and says, like, "We're going to do it this way now." And you're like, "Well, we don't ever do it that way before." You know, that's not the way we always did it. Well, that's how we're doing it now. And it's like, and you get this this attitude and just feel it on the inside. It's the same way with your flesh. Jesus comes in and says, "Hey, you know, we're going to do things a little differently now." And you're like, "Oh, what? Oh, you know, I want to do my own way still." And He's going to work that out in your life. Uh, and bring about freedom. So sometimes, you know, your flesh, it feels like a little slap in the face. You know, like your girlfriends and you said, you know, whatever, called the one too, too fat or something. Slap you in the face, right? So, um, the, and then the other side is like, it's like UFC. You know, your flesh just doesn't let you go. It's like every, every minute of every day, this temptation is just like on you. You're like, come on, man. I thought, like, I thought Jesus helped me out here, but your flesh feels really strong. Anybody else have that? You know, sometimes it feels like, yeah, it's no big deal. And other times it's like super strong. Well, he says that's going to be the way it goes through your life. But he says to stand firm. To stand firm. Because you have the choice of following the spirit. He says, or you have the choice of following the flesh. And you know, it's both of those things. Your spirit and your flesh are both promising you the very same thing. 
They both promise you freedom. Your flesh is promising you freedom, and so is, the, uh, so is God's Holy Spirit. He's promising you freedom, but only one of them actually delivers it. The other one is just a mirage. You know, you ever watch uh, a mirage is, is something that appears real, uh, and, and, but it's not actually so? It's like in the desert where you see that oasis that isn't there. You ever see those movies where there's the guy and he's swimming in the, he's swimming in the, uh, the oasis of sand and he thinks it's an oasis, but it isn't? Or he sees and he gets there, he's so thirsty, he finally gets there and finds out it's nothing? That's exactly what it's like when the flesh says, hey, here's freedom. And when you get there, it turns out that it wasn't. And there's two kind of mirages that, that your flesh will show you that Holy Spirit's leading you away from. One of the mirages of your flesh is that your flesh will bring you joy and happiness. That it can do it on its own. You know, so your flesh will tell you things like this. You know, marry that guy because he's so good looking. And you're like, yeah, but, you know, he's got some real character issues. You know, like he hates his mom. And uh, he's really mean to women. And he says derogatory things about them. And you're like, yeah, but he's so hot. You know, you're like, oh, it's worth the risk. You know, I'll change him. And your flesh says, and you begin to, you go down that road. And, and you know what? Uh, my office, we, uh, which I don't actually have. But when people come to visit me at Tim Hortons and we talk about their marriages, it never turned out like that. They were never able to change the person. Why? Because they should, there's this thing of listening to what... What Holy Spirit says, that it, the flesh will promise you something, but when you get there, it just isn't that way. You know, I tell you, if you just had more stuff, you know, Grant, if you just finally would get an iPhone, you will be happier. And, 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 and you're like, what? You know, you're looking at it, and this will be the case. You have no money, none. You know, you're barely making ends meet, and all of a sudden it's like this desire of, if I had a new iPhone, then... That's going to do it for me. I'm going to feel like, I'm going to feel so fulfilled. You know, or maybe for you, it's not a new iPhone. Maybe it's like a new car or a new house or a new boat or something you cannot afford. But it says that when you have that, just that next thing, it's going to do it for you. Or maybe you're a little different and the flesh says to you, you know what? That person wrongs you. And if you just got revenge, if you, you know, I scared this girl, the, I scared one of the visitors today uh, as they were just coming downstairs in the hallway. First time here and the pastor jumps out of the room. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it was her. Uh, so, you know, if she's, if she's thinking, man, I get revenge, that's it. I'm going to go with like, you know, slice his tires, key his car. It, it, it's uh, the blue Dodge out there. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> so, so it, she's like, you know, I'm going to do that. It's gonna, I'm going to feel so much better. Do you know by the time she gets there, she's not going to feel any better? You know, that's what the flesh does in our lives. It wants to, to drag us over there. In James chapter 1, it says this, that temptation, you know, temptation it leads to desire in your life, and then when desire, when you follow that desire, it leads to sinful actions, and then those sinful actions, you know, it's just, this time it's going to be, it leads to death in your life. It doesn't actually do. In the end, you're drinking sand. It was just a mirage of, of freedom. You know, the other side of it says, you know, legalism, that if, if you could, if you could do the do's and don'ts, you'll have freedom, you'll feel fulfilled. And you know what? Legalism, wouldn't you agree, kind of sounds right. Like, if you look in the Bible, there's a lot of verses in there that say, do this, don't do that, thou shalt, thou shalt not. It, it would seem like that would be the right, the, right, uh, the, the right thing to do that would bring freedom if you could just keep those rules. But what happens is, what's happening in your life if you start going towards that is that you, you've stopped believing some things. You've stopped believing that God ultimately loves you. You've stopped believing that God actually forgives you. And, and he's caring about, about your good. And so, you know what? Now you feel like, oh, he doesn't love me. I'm going to try and earn his love. And so you start going down that road. So you start going to church more. 
and, and you start reading the Bible more. Not because you want to know something more, but because you want God to love you more. And, and so the problem with it is that your behavior, all this good stuff, it sets the bar way too low. So, you know, it's like when you, when you say, oh, I'll follow Christ, and he says to you, okay. You know, the pastor said, all right, so no more, uh, no more drinking and no more cussing. You know, as, you, as you're uh, on this journey, he's like, okay, no more drinking, no more cussing. I did it. And all of a sudden, God's like, yeah, well, I got a few other things I want to talk to you about. Oh, okay, well, what's next? You know, and, and there's the next one. You're like, really? No more speeding? Oh, man, okay, well, I did no more speeding, you know, and no parking in the handicapped parking, and, you know, no, whatever it is that you do, you're, you're going and going, and, and, but you never, every time you get there, you still don't feel like you're getting there, and then all of a sudden, you, like, meet super Christian, and you meet them at church, and you're like, hey, you know, it's like, you're talking to them, you're like, you got up at what time? 4 a.m.? You got up at 4 to do what? You got up at 4 to pray for two hours? Man, I, I pray for everyone I know. It takes eight minutes. You know, it's like, I don't, how am I supposed to do this? You're like, okay, well, definitely got to catch up. So the next morning, you're up at five to four. And you start praying, you know, and you pray for every, eight minutes later. You're out of God. The phone books start going down. Pray for that guy. Pray for that guy. Pray for that guy. Pray for that guy. I mean, you get there, and you feel like, you know, God's going to love you more because you're doing all this stuff. And in the end, you still feel, you know, at 6.05, when you've done two hours and ten minutes more than this other guy, you still feel empty. Why? Because the mirage is that you would surround yourself with all kinds of good stuff and still feel empty because you missed out. What's he saying? He's saying those are what freedom is offered by your flesh. But he says you gotta. It says if you walk in the spirit, you're not going to be under that. He says those things are against each other, and uh, he says that's why freedom's so great because you're not under the weight of that. You don't have to compare yourself to my mother-in-law, who, who is that person who prays, you know, at uh, four in the morning for, for two hours for all of her, her children. You, you're good. You don't, you don't have to compare yourself. It makes it kind of nice that you, you're not under that weight. So he says, let Holy Spirit guide your lives. And at the beginning of verse 16 there, that's what he says, let Holy Spirit guide your lives. In the New King James, it says, walk in the Spirit. And walk means to choose a way that you're going and choose a lifestyle. And it's... One of these things where you say, you know what, I refuse to be neutral. I refuse to, uh, I refuse to be the, the guy who's like in the lazy river and I'm just going to go wherever it goes. It's like, no, I'm choosing that I'm in this place. I'm going to choose to walk in the spirit, which means the battle is on. And you decide to stand firm. It says this, walk in the spirit. The thing that we have culturally in our, in our country is the fact that we, com we compartmentalize our spirituality. It's like Saturday night's church. God, you got an hour and a half, and if he goes long, an hour and 45 minutes. That's it. And then I'm going to kind of do my life. And, and God doesn't affect any other part of your life. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you have no idea, you know, what, what God would want out of your life or whatever, because it's not the time. But he's saying this is like walk. Choose a lifestyle of following Holy Spirit. Not that just on Saturday night you're kind of open to whatever God would do, but through your life you're open to what God would want to do. It's, you know, we, we have it. You go to work. Hey, you don't talk about politics and religion, right? But he says he, God wants to talk to you and, and, and uh, sh uh, be a part of your life through your job. There's going to be times where you're at work and he's going to be leading you to do something. Paul's saying our lives, our whole lives should be lived out under Holy Spirit's direction. Verse 18, last verse that we're uh, going to do from here tonight says this. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. New King James says you're not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, you can't be under the law. 
And you're not living a lifestyle that's governed by legalism, governed by keeping the rules. Uh, and you know why this is? The law, we've talked about so much. What was the, the purpose of the law? It was to show sin. It was to show us as sinful. It says that the law is external, and it's focusing on external things in your life. It's like, we'll just, uh, we'll just call this iPhone right here. Uh, this is sin right here, all right? Pretend it's a Blackberry. Okay? So uh, this, this is, if we look at it and says, you know, we want to look at it, and we want to say, oh, I look at it, like I got a Blackberry problem. You know, we, don't, we want to look at it as something kind of outside of us. So the law says, you know, well, you kind of have a lying problem because you, you lie a lot. You know, or you got an anger problem or you got a pornography problem, but you got a problem and it's out here. And we like to look at it as, you know, I'm a good person, but I do some bad things. And it, it, looks, it, it looks at that. So then what the law wants to do is say, well, now you got to deal with this thing. You got to figure out what to do with uh, this problem that you have. And so then it starts to set up rules and try and make you focus on getting rid of that problem in your life. And you focus all your time. You want to you wanna do it because you love God, but you focus on the external thing. And it, it, what ends up happening is you have this legalistic approach. And if you're familiar with addictions, they call it the white knuckle change. It's where you're like hanging on for dear life. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And, and you end up hanging on till you, till you fall off and you end up back in that spot where you lied or back in the spot where you had an angry blow up at your wife or back in the spot where you're back in front of your computer again looking at porn. Any one of those things, or the list goes on, you know, alcohol, drugs, whatever it may be, you find yourself there and you can't beat it. But Paul says this, that if, you, if you're uh, following Holy Spirit, you're not under the law because Holy Spirit does something completely different. He doesn't care about the stuff in your life. He doesn't care about the actions of anger, uh, of, of uh, lying, of porn, of whatever it is. He doesn't care about those. What he cares about is your heart because that's where it's coming from. So he begins to look down in your heart and say, you know what? It's not just a lying problem. There's a heart in here that wants to lie. So what's going on down there? Let's take a look. There's in your heart, there's something that wants that alcohol. So let's take a look down in here. And what is it really? What are you covering up inside with all this stuff? You know, the, the pornography addiction, lust addiction. It's just what's down in your heart that's, that's happening down there that's actually leading you towards these things. Because it's not, he doesn't care about that. You know, we talked about that. He doesn't care if you've got all, to everybody else looking good. He cares about what's happening here. And he says that's where freedom is. Because once he transforms your heart, your desires change. Your desire changes. It's a completely different reason for, for uh, leaving it. See, he, he says he leads you this way, and as you lead this way, as you follow the Holy Spirit, what's happening? You can't focus on that anymore. You're walking away from bondage, not by trying to fight bondage, by simply following Holy Spirit. Verse uh, 16, uh, well, actually before that, you know what? It's, it's only Holy Spirit that can create true change in our lives, and this is where we destroy other people. This is where, when we don't get this, we ruin other people's, uh, the, the relationship that we have them. Because then we look at our lives and we see external actions, and then we inadvertently use legalism to try and fix those actions. And then we look at them and we see, it's pretty easy. If you go here for more than a week, you'll know that some people here have issues. Uh, and you know, you see those issues and you look at them and you're like, oh, I know what they gotta do. You know, it's like, all of a sudden it's this thing, you know, you gotta do this, and you gotta do this, and you need a 12-step program, and you need this, this, and this. And they're like, Hey, I just got here, you know. Uh, it's, my, it's my first day. And there's this thought, and we, if we see it ourselves that way, it's what we portray onto others. And it says it messes 
messes people up. You know, there's a super uh, great freedom when you get to the place where you realize you don't have to change anybody. When you realize you do not have to change them, because you can't. You can't. You couldn't change yourself. So when Holy Spirit changes you, it, and it just gives us the freedom to point people to Jesus. Galatians 5.16, where we started, it says, So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's sheer genius. It's simple, and it's, it's the genius and simplicity of the gospel. Because, you know, you can't walk two ways at the same time. Don't try it to prove me wrong. I'm telling you, you cannot walk two ways at the same time. You try going north and south, same time, you're going to be hurt. East and west, same time, it's going to hurt. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And it's the same thing with this. If you're walking one way, you can't be walking the other way at the same time. And Paul was saying to them, how you started is how you continue. And how you continue is how you finish this race. If it was all about Jesus and looking to him, then keep doing that. And he says in other books too, in Philippians chapter 1, he's some confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to continue and complete that work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, he said to them, how did you start? If you started by looking at Jesus, then keep doing it. Don't, uh, don't now go and try and keep the law. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, do we have that? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2? doesn't matter. Um, it just talks about that. He says um, uh, that we would look to the author and the finisher of our faith, that we would keep our eyes on Jesus. Uh, and, and it says by looking unto Jesus, it's uh, through, the whole, through the whole thing of life is continue looking to him. You'll see freedom, experience freedom in your life, something that so many people want. Uh, you know, I, I want to encourage you that it's like, uh, it's like the Leafs. You know, they got to play the full 60 minutes. You know, a couple nights ago, they're playing the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they played 57 great minutes, you know, where they had it all together. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the game, they decide that they're not going to pay attention anymore, and Sidney Crosby helps these guys score three goals. And it's like, they were winning one nothing, and they lose 3-1. to one. It doesn't matter how you start. Like, oh, you're not going to try this church thing and try this Jesus thing. Wow, this is amazing. God, I can't believe you love me. Your grace is, is amazing. I love those songs. You know, some of those people I don't like so much, but, you know, I'm really liking And you go this way, and all of a sudden you get to hear, like, ah, you know what? God, I can't believe you did this to me. You know, And you start going the other way, and you forget that God's for your good, and it ends up messing up. He says, keep looking at Jesus on your good days, on your bad days. Simply focusing on Holy Spirit means you don't need the babysitter of the law anymore. He says, you don't need that external thing that keeps looking at your actions and judging your actions. You don't need that anymore because Holy Spirit transforms your heart. When you're looking to Him, and as simple as that, where it's just looking at Jesus, He changes the heart. And when the heart changes, everything changes. You know, before, when you got in a fight with your wife, you know, it's, it's on, it's like whatever. The Spirit will lead you in your heart to say, you know what, just forgive her, you know? walk in love and forgiveness and things are going to be all right. The law only offers you one option. Thou shall not kill. Right? So you've got, and, and you sit there thinking, oh, I can't do nothing about it, but you're steamed inside. Can you see that the living in the Spirit is so much better? Last thought, how do you live by the Spirit? Because we can tell you all of this. Saying, don't choose this, choose this. This is so much better than that. And you can be free of that. But if we don't tell you how, you're stuck. So if you forget everything, remember this tonight. Romans chapter 8. Love this, uh, love this chapter. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 5. It says, there's no condemnation. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's none of that stuff for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It says, and because you belong to him, 
The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Something we've been just looking at. It says the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did that so the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature. That it would, it's done. Your price is paid is for those who no longer look in that way, but instead follow the Spirit. And it says it right here, and it's probably as simple as it could possibly be. It says those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by Holy Spirit think about things that please Holy Spirit. It, it, it's a simple battle that's happening between your ears right now. That thought of where do you set your mind? What are you thinking about? All the time. And you know, as, as you begin to think about what you're thinking about and recognize, hmm, that's what I'm thinking about, it changes and gives you the opportunity to think different thoughts. You know, it all of a sudden changes the reason for why you would read the, read the Bible. You know, you can read the Bible because, oh, that's what Christians are supposed to do. Or you can read the Bible like, God, I want to know who you are. I want to be able to set my eyes and my thoughts on who you are. It, and it keeps your mindset on him. Worship takes on a whole different level when you realize that, God, I want to focus on you. I know my life's a mess and things aren't good, but I'm just going to bring you the sacrifice of praise tonight. And I'm going to put my eyes and my focus on you instead of my problems. It begins to set your mind on the spirit. The gathering of believers together, you know, whether it's here or Tim Hortons or wherever it is, is it's encouraging one another not just saying hey how are you la dee da okay good see you later but the ones who say hey how you doing oh la dee da no you're not uh, oh wait what, what do you mean i can tell there's something different about you what's going on oh man i'm going through this okay well you know what here look to christ you know i'm really struggling in this temptation in my life okay man you know what here i'm praying for you here look to christ and in that there's, there's this spot of setting your mind on Him. And those who are uh, around you do that. And simple relationship with Holy Spirit. He wants to talk to you. He does. There's so many of those times you're just going through life and you hear this thing of, you know, uh, give so-and-so a call. Or, you know, stop by and talk to that person. Or hand that person, you know, uh, 20 bucks. They really need it. You're like, I really need it. Well, don't worry. It'll come back to you. But to just be uh, obedient to what He wants in our lives the choice faces us every single day. That battle's happening every single day. Know that you're not alone in it. And know that you can win because of, of Jesus and his strength in you. So I leave you with this thought. There's four verbs or five verbs in there that it's talked about. But it says look to Jesus or you can look to the flesh. You have the choice today to set your mind on him. To set your mind on Jesus or set your mind on the things of the flesh. You've got the choice to walk in the spirit today or walk in the flesh. You've got the choice to be led by Holy Spirit or to be led by your flesh. You've got the, spirit, the, the, the choice today to live by the Spirit. To live every day of your life just in a different thought. Waking up in the morning saying, Holy Spirit, I just want to live looking to you. I guarantee you it will change your life because it's happening for me. Uh, it's more than just words on a page or, or something that I share. It's something that's changing my life, and uh, it is definitely for the better. So I want to I maybe just close tonight by saying there's an offer of freedom on, on the, you know, at, at this place tonight. There's, there's a spot that says that, that Jesus actually did you know, come and give his life. We celebrated in a couple weeks over Easter, but he really did. He really gave his life that we could be free. And it says it's a simple thing of saying, you know what, God, I, I've lived my own life. I've been controlling my own life. I've been doing it all on my own. And it's messed to say I want to leave that and I want to look towards you for forgiveness and for grace. 
He can change your life in an instant. It won't be perfect, but it'll be taking you on that journey to, to where he's got for you, bringing purpose in your life, bringing fulfillment on the inside. You don't have to search everywhere for it. Tonight, that offer is on the table for you. And I, I want to just encourage you that um, as we pray tonight, to just, even in your heart or in your head or with your lips, to just whisper it out to God, saying, God, if it's true, I want you. I, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to give up this life to, to follow after you. Believe me, uh, he will do the rest inside and make that, make that change alive.